This is MuggleCast, the Harry Potter podcast discussing everything about J.K. Rowling's wizarding world. This week's episode is brought to you by Casper, an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash MuggleCast and using code MuggleCast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to episode 324 of MuggleCast. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Micah. Wow, look at that. Everybody's so friendly this episode. <laughs> I'm like, hey. I know why. Yeah, why is yeah. that? We got some very cool news that I was lit over lit? when it was announced. Lit? Mm-hmm. Is that L-I-T? You were lit or it was lit? Yeah, no, the, 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 the I was lit. I think, the that's news a, was... I think those two things are drastically different. <laughs> well, leave me alone. You, okay. guys, you guys don't know what lit even means. I can tell based on that response. Uh, you, you called well, me well, grandpa well, before the show, so... You did what? I have an excuse. I should have known. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But uh, what, what, Andrew's, what Andrew's hiding from you all is that we are all currently in line for the, the casting call for the young uh, actors. Uh, <laughs> That's a little creepy. Well, except for me, because I'm grandpa, so I'm just sitting on my rocking chair on the porch and... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> trying to figure out how to get this microphone to work. Micah is like literally double the age of the people they're looking to cast. Oh, yeah, I guess I guess I am too. If you really want to look into that, <laughs> so we'll we'll talk about that in a second. But mm-hmm. I want to let everybody know coming up on today's show. Today we're going to be talking about the Bare Bones family. Yeah. As we wrap up our Fantastic Beasts character discussion series, we're also going to go back in MuggleCast history a little bit and. Go through a couple more voicemails, including one about a hot new movie that (laughs) I think has confused a lot of people. So let's talk about the news. This came as a surprise earlier this week. Pottermore just came out and said it. Hey, we're casting Teenage Dumbledore, Newt, Lita, Grindelwald, and a new character named Sebastian for Dumbledore sorry for Newt and Lena Lita they're looking for 13 to 16 year olds and for Dumbledore and Grindelwald they're looking for a little bit older around 16 to 18 years old so this was a big surprise because they're kind of admitting what's they're revealing what's going to be happening in Fantastic Beasts 2 <laughs> I think yeah, I mean, it means at least in some capacity, there will be flashbacks because you need you need a face uh, for young Dumbledore and young Grindelwald. You need a face for young Lita, young Newt. We don't yet know much about it, but there's gonna be flashbacks. Yeah, the well, so we can kind of let's let's break it down into the pairs. So mm-hmm. Newt, well, let, let's start with the more obvious one: Dumbledore and Grindelwald. Right. We've kind of speculated previously that we could be going back in time to see their relationship, their friendship, I should say, when Dumbledore had had some romantic feelings towards Grindelwald. And, of course, that all-important fight in which Ariana Dumbledore died. Yes. That's, like, the big thing. We knew about that in Deathly Hallows when, when, when we learned that story. So, I mean, this kind of... And we've also, and the reason we've theorized about this is because we also think Ariana is an obscurus, so that's yeah, how yeah. she would 
tie in and Dumbledore would tie in. And we and we think it's already happened. I mean, I think it's pretty clear, especially given their ages, uh, that it is in the past. Ariana is already dead during the events of Fantastic Beasts. It has happened mm-hmm. prior to then. And so now, you know, because it is, we believe it's relevant, especially if she was an Obscurus, and that was such a, a big part of the first Fantastic Beasts film, it's very likely that we're going to get into the backstory and how Newt you know, first became aware of Obscurials in general um, or, you know, his relationship with Dumbledore. But Dumbledore and Grindelwald, I mean, that how they met is going to become pretty crucial, I think, because eventually these these films are leading up to Dumbledore defeating Grindelwald. And so it it makes sense that at at somewhere along the line that they would go into the backstory, which, Andrew, as you mentioned, like, was more or less introduced in the life and lives of Albus Dumbledore and Deathly Hallows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You you have to connect the dots and I think that's what they're starting to do in Fantastic Beasts too with flashing back and it seems like Newt and Lita and whoever Sebastian is were all at Hogwarts at the same time that Dumbledore was. We know that Grindelwald didn't go to Hogwarts, but maybe he was a uh, foreign exchange student. Who knows how he's going <laughs> to uh, come into the fold here, but what I find interesting, and maybe we'll find out more about casting for this movie in the coming weeks, but Aberforth was also present during this battle that took place between Grindelwald and Dumbledore that cost Ariana her life. So I wonder, when is he going to be cast? And is it possible Sebastian is his first goat friend? I mean... <laughs> you think they're casting a goat? I mean, or another lover of a goats. person as a goat? It's all about the mocap. I'm just, I'm just joking. Motion capture. But um, uh, Sebastian, yeah. I don't think you are. No, I'm not. Not really. Uh, <laughs> but for Sebastian, I wonder: has anybody done sort of the research behind characters that we've come across in the Potter series that have the first name Sebastian that could play around? <laughs> This time, you know, I'm going to so, do that lexicon. Yes, I'm going to do did, that search. Andrew. Right. Oh. I did Google Sebastian Harry Potter, and there was only somebody in modern day Harry Potter. It was, it was some Hogwarts students that that was met, mentioned in passing. I don't even know if it was in one of the books. It could have been like through a video game, but I couldn't find any old Sebastians. So, <laughs> unlike these other four characters that they're casting teenagers for, I don't think this one is an iconic mm-hmm. old character who's who's about to be recast. And that's fine. I, I, I'm looking forward – I'm glad one of these characters is going to be a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Sebastian, either sub- in, in addition to potentially being a goat, could be Newt's friend at, at Hogwarts, could be Lita's brother. Uh, there's, there's a ton of possibilities here. Sebastian uh, Lestrange. And I just wanted to correct one thing I said earlier because – it, based on the ages here, it, it's not that they would have been at Hogwarts the same time as as students, but right. potenti- Dumbledore and Grindelwald. You mean? Well, well, Dumbledore and Newt, because I, I, I think I kind of made that connection based on the ages. But obviously, from what we've learned, it seems like Newt was a student, Dumbledore was a teacher. So these seem to be two completely different castings that are going on. So I wonder would. Uh, Jude Law be the version of Dumbledore that we see Newt interact with at the yes. age of 13 to 16 years old. 
Yeah, because essentially, yeah. So, so for there's going to be two sets of flashbacks, presumably. Um, there'll be a flashback to, or or more to where you know Dumbledore and Grindelwald were interacting, uh, and then another one to where Newt and Lita's backstory is explained. Um, but I mean, at the time of of I mean, Newt basically is only a couple years out of Hogwarts. Uh, at the beginning of Fantastic Beasts. I know he's older, and I know Eddie Redmayne's actually secretly like 30, playing 20-something, but I, I think that Newt really is only a couple of years out of school. Um, and I think the the backstory that we know on Newt supports that. Uh, we can def- definitely get into it more when we talk about Newt as a character on an upcoming episode of MuggleCast, but you know, I'm pretty sure he's young 20s now, and so Dumbledore, who's, uh, I think, mathematically like... 60, uh, I want to say, around this time, um, around the time of the 20s, is supposed to be 60 years old, would only have been, you know, 55, 50. Mm-hmm. And, Jude, and that's, you know, Jude, Jude Law could play. They could just de-age him a couple years or add extra age makeup for his normal costume to give him a good, you know, sort of yeah, flashback I just appearance. didn't want the, to make that wrong connection there and have people yeah, no, write it, in it made sense. Say, I was the ages are completely off. There's no way that they were at school together at the same time. So, yeah, Dumbledore and Grindelwald I, are like forty years older at the minimum to where to to Newt and Lita. I'm also thinking that this could be a way to involve Grindelwald to make him appear in this next film without it being Johnny Depp, <laughs> because we've kind of <laughs> spoken about this previously. If he's going to prison, how much of him could we possibly see? Actually, Unless you know he breaks out already, and it just feels like too soon for him to break out so quickly after getting into prison. Maybe J.K. Rowling will write the story and the pacing in the right way where it feels okay for him to break out. But I, I think this could be a good middle ground to deal with Grindelwald because... To, and and the the backlash towards Johnny Depp, <laughs> at least yeah, for one which movie. they're not shy about though. To be fair, like they don't care. They love their. I, oh, they think I know it's the greatest idea ever that they had to cast such a talent, such a universal yeah. talent as Johnny Depp in the role. But I love the idea. I mean, Andrew, it would essentially be like a Chamber of Secrets thing, where you're not dealing with Voldemort, you're dealing with young Voldemort. Mm. Um, right, right. The whole book. And, yeah, and who know? Maybe maybe this will be the Grindelwald we always wanted. I mean, it's a big age difference between teenage Grindelwald and uh, Johnny Depp Grindelwald, but but maybe we'll really like him, and then we'll feel better about Johnny Depp. I I know we got a ton. We got some really good comments on Patreon, um, but I did I did read through them, and I had an opinion that I wanted to share before we get into them because it's not echoed uh, in these comments. But we've been sort of fooled before you guys uh about flashbacks in harry potter if you remember snape's worst memory um for instance uh and also just the young young lily and snape stuff you know the spinner's end uh all the things harry experiences in deathly hallows where they do these big casting calls they cast all four marauders as young kids and young lily and presumably even filmed a scene with dialogue about Snape's worst memory, and yeah. not only did it not make the film, we got you know kind of a blurry two second look uh, around the uh, uh, what kind of tree is it? Um, the tree by the anyway the tree by the lake. We got one blurry look for a couple seconds, and that was the entire extent of Snape's worst memory. So they cast all these people, 
and you know it, it just didn't end up in the film. So it's all about the pacing, I, I wanna, Eric, in case you I, well, I want to sort of yeah pace. It's oh, the, the pacing. movie would have pacing. pacing needs to be as good as it is in the holiday. And if the it's movie would have dragged, the movie would have dragged so badly. Speaking if they, of pacing, yeah. good good reference, Micah, about the holiday. But speaking of pacing, let's move on to the other pair here, Newt and Lita. So so Dumbledore and Grindelwald, we're probably going to see Godric's Hollow. Awesome. Newt and Lita, teenagers, around thirteen years old, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. That means. When they were at Hogwarts together. So we're also going to be going to Hogwarts in this next movie, presumably. And by casting teenage Newt and Lita, we're going to see the falling out between these two characters. And, and Because remember, for anyone who does, doesn't know, this wasn't in the movie or the script book. But in these spinoff books, we learned that Newt took the fall for something Lita did. I, I believe they even said it was, yeah, it was at Hogwarts. It happened at Hogwarts. So we'll probably see what that was. So we'll finally know why Newt was uncomfortable talking about Lita to Queenie. Mm. I, guess and, I, am, I guess I am more I, surprised that they didn't just use the same actors, uh, you know, Zoe yeah, Kravitz and, and Newt to play. Well, yeah, thir- okay, Redmayne's like a little 35. Y- yeah, okay. <laughs> 13's young. But, I mean, Newt wasn't expelled when he was 13. So maybe there's... maybe maybe they would do that trick that my dad would always do where he to act like a kid he would take off his shoes put them on the ground and then he would put his knees on his shoes. Oh my god. So your I legs you've got are it. Just thigh length. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they Such a maybe smart ask man. ask JK Rowling if they can do that Mr. Eric Sims. Yeah. for your sake. You know what I'm saying, right? Cuz like they could just as easily do a voiceover that shows visually what, like the kids, but it could be current Newt, like Eddie Redmayne talking. It's yeah, just like it's just that. that flashbacks. I mean, David Yates and Heyman have worked together on five films now, and the films are just not flashback heavy. So I want to believe. I want to be really excited. But what if it's you know visual only on this? I don't, what if it's not the substance? Why sub- can't they? Why can't they sound different? Why can't they sound prepubescent? <laughs> There's no reason. Lita, I love bees so much. Mm-hmm. Sound like Andrew in episode one of MuggleCast. Yeah, all Welcome of us. Well, we got to <laughs> make sure we get that in our uh, This Week in MuggleCast history segment at some point. Oh, come sure. August. It's yeah. a classic. Yeah. But I think that uh, Sebastian could potentially be a casualty in all of this if uh, mm. we're thinking through what potentially Lita did that caused Newt to get expelled. We know that one of the beasts involved is a jarvie at least according to those stories that you mentioned andrew i know we spent a little bit of time talking about that in a previous episode but i just like the idea of learning more about what preceded where we were in the first fantastic beast film and i don't think that that is going to take up an entire film uh i do like the idea of that being our exposure to grindelwald uh, and then maybe he breaks yeah. out at the end of the film. And instead of Andrew, as you said, I think it would be a little bit too premature for him to just bust out at the beginning of the movie. And then you're just saying to yourself, well, uh, yeah, they don't really do that great of a job at Makusa in terms of holding. Yeah, their, America sucks. They're prisoners. Yeah. <laughs> but going back to Hogwarts and, and thinking through again what we're going to be able to see when we're on the grounds of Hogwarts that is going to be completely new from what we know. I'm. Are they going to completely remake it? Are they are they, are they going to take a different spin on it? And, and what professors are there? What faculty are there? 
you know, what what things are we going to be able to recognize as fans coming back to a place that we obviously enjoyed going for so many years? Yeah, it was a beech gonna... tree. B e e c h. I just looked it up. That's going to be there to answer your question, Mike. I guess. Oh, well, the whomping willow. Yeah, great. That much we know. No. Oh, it yeah. won't be. Yeah, because that came. That only came when Lupin mm-hmm. in the seventies. And Hagrid. Uh, what about? Is it Og's hut? Og's. <laughs> <laughs> I like Og to believe that. I like to believe that Og just lives in the ground, in a hole in the ground. It'll be kind of, I can already picture the interviews now with J.K. Rowling and David Heyman and David Yates and, and uh, Stuart Craig, the, the designer of everything. Oh, we were just so excited to go back to Hogwarts. The possibilities, the possibilities, they were all there for us. <laughs> but it's also funny because like, if you think of Hogwarts in movie one, it looks so different compared to how it did in movie seven. Because well, just made that it there's look- daylight, I mean, in movie one. That's all. No, right? but no, no, no. I mean, the castle looked a lot simpler in the first movie than it did by the six, seven. Yeah, that's fair. Eight. They kept adding, like, the bridge got added in movie three. And yeah, kept, yeah. Boom. It looks more detailed in general. I. That's thought. all I remember about the bridge. Hmm. When uh, Professor McGonagall says, "Boom, boom," <laughs> mm. and uh, now, Lupin, Lupin actually, and Harry uh, have a heart to heart about Lily on that bridge. You know, it'd be super cool if they used some of the old sets like the Great Hall, because that hasn't changed, right? Yeah. I mean, there will be a couple months where you can't get into the studio tour because they're filming <laughs> on, this, on the old sets. <laughs> well, that sets. would certainly confirm a lot, wouldn't it? Right? I mean, that would just be a dead giveaway. Maybe they're only filming at night after hours. That would be really funny. And what about, uh, speaking of Professor McGonagall, Maggie Smith could come back, no? <laughs> I'm not, uh, I don't I'd have know. to Google her, Professor McGonagall. What was she up to in the in the twenties? When did she? Uh, she was born in 1935, so she definitely wasn't. Oh, never mind. Never mind. Yeah, Dumbledore's the only really old one. I think was it was it Laura Linney who played young Maggie Smith's character in Hook? She was young Wendy. I think it was. Anyway, they probably cast a young. Was alive? So. Yeah. She <laughs> Okay, well no 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 y'all aren't hook fans like me. No, I've Major seen hook the movie. Fans. Okay, clearly. Yeah, Jason well, Isaacs, I'm pretty sure right? it was Laura Linney played young Wendy. Uh no, Dustin Hoffman. So, over on Patreon, one of the benefits for our Dumbledore's Army members and above, uh we occasionally do a question of the week on there. And Yay. this time we asked, what do you expect to see from the Fantastic Beasts teens? Amy said, I think we deserve to see how Grindelwald met and seduced, both physically and magically, Dumbledore. It would certainly be interesting to see how Dumbledore was so tempted by power after we have only ever seen him as such a wise and humbled figure. It would give even more depth to his already dynamic character. I agree to that. I agree with that. Adam chimes in, though. Why do we keep assuming Grindelwald tricked Dumbledore or used him? Has there been anything so far to confirm he didn't have feelings for Dumbledore? We we do know for sure that Dumbledore's love was unrequited. Mm. Yeah, I think J.K. Rowling said that from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I think we've talked about, too, on a couple of other episodes, how you get a sense for the manipulative nature of Grindelwald in his interactions with Credence. I think that was done purposefully as a lead-up to these other films where he is going to be acting probably in a very similar manner to Dumbledore. And and not to say that yeah. there isn't any sort of 
emotional attachment between the two of them. I think that was made very clear in Deathly Hallows that this quest for power to to find the Deathly Hallows and, and to achieve sort of this immortality, Dumbledore definitely buys into what Grindelwald is selling very early on. Now, yeah, that could be for a number of reasons, but I think just given the nature of what we know about Grindelwald and his sort of seductive ability and and how he was able to use that on credence you know he comes across very much as a fatherly type of figure uh to him and credence kind of is able and really just one of the only people that shows him any sort of attention yeah uh, and and i think that that's not necessarily dumbledore although we don't know what kind of situation he's in uh at this point in time but i think it it definitely will all kind of tie together in in terms of who grindelwald is as a character yeah and and our understanding of uh the dumbledore grindelwald relationship is crucial absolutely crucial and and central to our ability to enjoy or to watch the relationship play out leading up to his defeat uh leading up to grindelwald's defeat so i think that they will take the time they need to explain it to a general audience you know some of the details of of how that like what that was all about and i think we'll get to see a young dumbledore you know sort of lust for power ill-advisedly kind of buy into what grindelwald is selling as you said absolutely uh, it, and look i yeah. could be wrong it, there there could be mm-hmm. you know more than than what we've learned so far and and we'll just watch it play out in the next film but i think there's vulnerabilities as as you know was just pointed out by by the person on on patreon that dumbledore has that we're not used to right i i think a lot of him was yeah. exposed in Deathly Hallows, particularly his treatment of Harry, and then that's a whole nother episode that we probably did several years ago. Yeah, called Pig for Slaughter. Pig for Slaughter, which is Snape's own words. So that was a good one. Yeah, it was. So anyway, that's there's more to discuss. Here's, here's an interesting theory. Andy says, "I wonder, is it possible that Newt could have also grown up in Godric's Hollow?" Maybe the Scamanders and Dumbledores were friends. Maybe Newt and Ariana were friends, and Newt was there when Ariana died. Their teenage counterparts counterparts could all be cast to show that moment in history. Or maybe we will see the Newt and Lita incident back at Hogwarts and finally know what happened exactly. So much to look forward to. I yeah, I think it's a I think it's a stretch to assume that because again, there should be there should be an age gap. There should be a substantial yeah bigger one age gap between it. It wouldn't just be like. Dumbledore's younger sister, or the youngest sibling, is is Newt's age. I think it's probably closer to a twenty or thirty year difference between Newt and Ariana. Um, mm-hmm. I also feel like uh, mm, I, it'd feel a little cheap to me if like J.K. Rowling was like, "Oh yeah, the Scamanders were in Godric's Hollow the, too the whole time." Like, yeah, because I feel like we would have heard about that at some point by now. Well, and the, yeah, I mean the Dumbledores moved around a lot too, uh, and and wasn't it only the Bagshots that were really said to be like close friends to the Dumbledores? I don't know. It's just yeah, there's a there's a risk that they run of like putting all the character, all the important characters together in a room when something crucial happened. 
Elizabeth reminds us that Newt is too young to be in the Ariana timeline. If Dumbledore was one of his professors and she died when he left Hogwarts, it might work, but I am doubtful. She says, I want to see what happened with Lita and Newt if she let him take the blame for something she did. Maybe he carries her picture to remind himself not to trust anyone except Dumbledore. (laughs) And then Irvin reminds us about what Queenie actually said in the movie. I want to, he says, I want to see exactly how Lita was a taker instead of a giver. So intrigued by her relationship with Newt. Yeah, anyway. Maybe exactly what you just said in that she allowed him to take the blame. So essentially, right. you know, she's she's taking something intangible from She's him. taking advantage yeah, of exactly, him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so are are none of us seeing this as a are none of us seeing this uh Newt Lita Sebastian thing as like a Bella Edward Jacob triangle? Who's that? <laughs> Is that just I, is that just part me? Of me? Part of me does feel like Sebastian's going to be a third love wheel interest. in a love triangle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's just it's so much so, young adult you know, stuff right now. I think he's going to be a casual. Kind of a yeah. Sebastian's I, I love kind of a idea. gay name when you think about it. Oh, so maybe on. maybe Sebastian had feelings for Dumbledore, but Dumbledore was like, "No, bitch, I've got feelings Stop for Grindelwald." It. Stop. <laughs> he's I love the years idea old, of him as a casualty. I, Why not? Do, like, I love the idea of him as a casualty. Teacher, child, uh, teacher, student. Uh... <sighs> no, this is J.K. Teenage not Sebastian any... is into teenage Dumbledore, well, but teenage Dumbledore is into Grindelwald. <laughs> but I thought Sebastian is in the timeline of Newt and Lita. No one said that. Oh, oh, he's no, the same age that. though, right? He's the no. Well, Sebastian's we Sebastian's the thirteen to sixteen versus Dumbledore's. The sixteen to eighteen. Oh, but well, Sebastian. But Sebastian could be younger than Dumbledore and Grindelwald, and still appear in Dumbledore. They're all going to star in bare bone productions. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> anyway, though, my, no, no, one thing I did want to bring up, though, because as we were talking about Dumbledore, it made me think of this. In terms of Newt having the trust of Dumbledore, I wonder, you given everything that we think has happened with Ariana. And and knowing Newt's affinity for for beasts, do you think it's almost like a apology tour of sorts where Dumbledore is sending Newt to try and track down these obscurus that Grindelwald may look to take advantage of? So, I yeah, I I love that idea of like sort of because if Grindelwald made a play to come at. Ariana to come after her to like use her or if there was ever a discussion where Grindelwald was like you know Albus your sister I don't know she might be useful to our cause if there was ever any inkling of that at all then Grindelwald would have tipped his hand and Dumbledore would have been able to sort of see the plot of Fantastic Beasts coming and that would very that would go a long way to explaining mm. why Newt not only had just been with an obscurial a couple months before the events of the film, but also was in New York. Right. And it could be under Dumbledore's exactly. orders. And, and I know it's a little bit of a stretch, though, to say that you know he didn't go to New York to inevitably try and make his way to Arizona to free Frank the Thunderbird. Right. But in my mind, given, as you just said, that he was in Africa months prior to that, also trying to save this young girl, that he would then find himself just months later in New York dealing with a child a bit older but who is going through the very exact same situation I find to be more than coincidental. So 
I think that there is a definite possibility that this ties back to what happened to Ariana and, and Dumbledore confiding perhaps in Newt what truly happened and, and making sure that maybe he knows a way to, to try and, and save these young kids. Yeah. One more quick comment here. This is from Megan. She says, I'm hoping to see if we're going to find out about the quote unquote special relationship that Newton Dumbledore had that was mentioned in the new book for I just explained the whole what thing. What does it mean? I, what a troll. <laughs> but we're going to see that in dialogue. Clearly we'll see. I don't know. I, I Should we be should we stealing ourselves for a um, little bit of jealousy? Like if Dumbledore's relationship with Newt is closer as more of like a colleague than it ever was with Harry, would we feel bad? Ooh, that would hmm. – wouldn't that kind of suck? Because he's just that using would Harry. Suck. Yeah. yeah. But we just said he raised him like a pig for slaughter, so it wasn't that great of a relationship. <laughs> no, no, no. But, I mean, he's not doing that with Newt is what I'm saying. So how does that make us feel? Because I, I'd like to believe that he can that he's actually like Dumbledore, although there's that age difference. The other thing about what Dumbledore made – what made Dumbledore and Grindelwald tick was that Dumbledore was lonely because he's the only smart – you know, he's the smartest wizard and he, he has no peers. And Grindelwald was that first – real peer of his the first real you know contemporary who was on the same level so with Dumbledore and Newt though getting back to that like I just see it as it being a more mutual respectful relationship than he had with with you know Harry than Dumbledore mm-hmm. had with Harry I think that and you know we we speculate as to whether or not it's like a early order of the phoenix type thing where Dumbledore's calling the shots and making these grand movements to like Except with Grindelwald instead of with Voldemort, as he later does. But I have a feeling that Newt and Dumbledore, as as both adult wizards, are on a much like more even plane than mm-hmm. Dumbledore ever was with Harry. I, yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think there's much more of a bond between Dumbledore and Harry, and he says as much. And yeah. just that he's watched him grow from, from a very young child to mm. become the person that he is in Deathly Hallows. And, and so... I, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. And and did you think that there perhaps was a bit of jealousy when that interrogation scene is going on and, and Graves slash Grindelwald is asking the question to mm. Newt, you know, what makes Albus Dumbledore so fond of you or so trustworthy of you? Perhaps. Oh, yeah. I don't know about oh, jealousy, yeah, but there, there was definitely a charge in that line, you know? Was, yeah. Very well, much. and I'm sure Grindelwald is probably just naturally curious, given his past friendship with Dumbledore. He just wants to know what his friend is up to these days and why yeah. he's so interested in Newt, because Grindelwald probably sees Dumbledore as a threat. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's, that's 100% um, true. We got another year and a half to talk about this, so <laughs> let's leave it there. Is that all? <laughs> Until we... That's another 80 episodes. <laughs> yeah, geez. We're going to be in episode 500 by, by the time we see teenage Dumbledore. Um, one other news item. It's more of an anniversary. It's been one year since Harry Potter and the Cursed Child began preview performances in London. We're recording on Thursday, January 8th. January 8th. This is the one-year anniversary, that fateful day where I woke up to a tweet from J.K. Rowling calling hypeable Wormtaily. And I've never been the same since. <laughs> well, she was right. So. <laughs> Actually, in hindsight, I think more people are probably on our side mm. because 
people were like, oh, the, the, the naysayers were like, oh, how dare they spoil something. <laughs> how like, dare they? Yeah. Well, you know what, people? You guys at that time had no clue what was coming in that play. That's right. Yeah. All we spoiled was the houses, housing assignments. Big whoop. You, you know what? No, Voldemort no. hooking up with Bellatrix. That's a spoiler. I'm pretty sure. that. I'm pretty sure I said this at the time, but if not, I'll reiterate. I expected to come down on the side of J.K. Rowling naturally on that in that argument, but I immediately and infinitely from the get-go was on Hypable's side on that because you picked out like the literally the one thing from that play that anyone could reasonably be excited about. You picked the <laughs> one good thing and told people <laughs> right. so that they would be excited and actually go and see the show. If you had yeah. said any other plot detail, it would have been the most obnoxious. Like I would have absolutely been so disinclined to see that play as I was. Uh, when I read the script, but no, well, hypable. You you guys actually. Look, I think you helped ticket sales. Uh, <laughs> well, not only not only did you help ticket sales, but I think that that tweet by J.K. Rowling was a tip of the cap toward you and your website, <laughs> and that it actually encouraged more people to go and read it. Absolutely. Yeah. Think about it. Was it was certainly Absolutely. a side effect, if not the initial. Intent I think it was and... the initial intent on her part, and. and what what was the it was also a warning signal? I think it was also a warning signal to tell people, hey, don't post any spoilers, or I'm going to call your ass out. Well, yeah. I'm curious what what was the web traffic from that page? Was that like the most visited page of the entire site for the year? Bruh, not for the year, but I'm sure for the day it was. I can't remember exactly. But but J.K. Rowling told the entire Harry Potter world, hey, if you want to know something <laughs> that happens in this play that you're dying to find out more about, visit Hypable. Like, I don't know if it was completely thought through. But anyway, I just wanted to mention that it's been a year. Um, a year since Wormtailly? Oh, yeah. Eric, uh, the way you prefaced your, your very kind thoughts a minute ago made me oh. wonder. If J.K. Rowling and I were both in a sinking boat and you can only save one, who would you save? You. But I, I – you know what I would do, though? I would uh, I would ask her, like, a really important Harry Potter question. No. And don't. then let her die. You know, this you is not – ask J.K. Rowling a, no, a no, tough you know question what? and then let her die. I, I haven't chosen the I, – I, refu- I uh, recuse myself from <laughs> having to answer hypotheticals. <laughs> J.K. Rowling, I'm going to save you, but in exchange, you must tell me if Lavender Brown is dead or alive. She's dead. She's dead. Okay, just kidding. I'm not going to save you. I'm going to save Andrew because we have to keep Muggle casting. Bye. Horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If without you, it's not Muggle. Yeah, we got it. Go, she would understand. Only if she agreed to come on the show. Otherwise, Ooh. it's you all the way, Andrew. JKR, would you replace our host who I'm not going to say? I don't know, man. That's the tough You know how to record the show? How would any of us? There's no. I'm not even. No. It would be you, dude. All right. Well, you did say me first, so I think that's. It would be you. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I would save you to maybe thank you um before we get to our character discussion this week's episode is brought to you by a new sponsor actually casper mattresses casper is a sleep brand that created one perfect mattress sold directly to consumers eliminating commission-driven inflated prices its award-winning sleep surface was developed in-house they have a sleek design and it's delivered in a small how did they do that sized box (laughs) so i actually got a casper mattress um, about a month ago now, they give you a 100-night home trial. Whoa. That means you get your mattress, you have 100 nights to sleep on it, literally and figuratively, to decide if you want to keep this thing. And that's how confident they are in it. And if you don't like it, you can send it back. It's risk-free. But I got one. 
I'm a month in and I'm absolutely keeping it. It is like sleeping on a cloud and it worked out great for me because I actually needed a new mattress. So when they came to us, I said, yes, please, I would love to try. The key to their success is that they the, the Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. It combines supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. With over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars, it's quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. And here's the best part. Free shipping and returns in the United States and Canada. Try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. It was designed, developed, and assembled right here in America. So get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash mugglecast and using code mugglecast. Terms and conditions apply. Trust me. Give it a try if you if you're interested in a mattress. I think you're really going to like it, and I really look forward to getting cozy in bed every day now. Aw, so, oh, isn't that do cute? You sink yeah. and bounce. You come Have cuddle you tried with that me? Out? I've tried the bounce. <laughs> that sounds wrong. I've I well, we're about <laughs> to talk about the, the barebone family, so it's totally fun. Wow, wow. What? I'm actually about to go out to L.A. and and pick up my dog. I can't wait for him to try out my Casper mattress as well. I have a feeling he's never going to leave. Oh, Brooklyn. He'll probably stay. Brooklyn's going to be close to Brooklyn. Or do you think he'll bounce? (laughs) I'm going to drop him from five feet above the mattress and see what happens. See if he bounces up. Mm -hmm. He'll bounce like (laughs) Neville Longbottom bounced. (laughs) Wow. All right. So let's talk about the Barebones family. Barebones family, a.k.a. the second Salemers. You guys ready for that? This, that. Well, I remember when we first heard out, found out about the second Salemers through like rumors and through set photos and stuff. We were like, "Oh, that's so cool!" Because we all knew about the Salem witch trials, so we knew yeah. exactly who these people were. It's it was very good early on that we like got a hint, got like a whiff of that because it immediately, I think, sparked our imaginations for what America was going to look like. Um, we were all very excited. I mean, clearly, it makes a lot of sense for the Wizarding World present day, you know, in the early 1900s, to still be reeling from the events that occurred in Salem, whatever J.K. Rowling chooses to make those. So, uh, David Yates, though, uh, according to David Yates in the actual Fantastic Beasts film that resulted, uh, he says, the bare bones represent this very eerie strange fringe of the story that is actually the story. So that's what he says. So according to Yates, and this that was in the Blu-ray special features, the second Salemers are really what Fantastic Beasts is all about. Um, and that actually sort of makes sense because you do get Credence, who is the main obstacle. I don't want to say villain because, of course, it's like Grindelwald, but... The Obscurus is definitely a huge part, and the repression uh, that Credence is is facing as a result of his family and this sort of this group of people who are trying to, you know, repress magic is is the center, you know, part of the story. So Yates is exactly right. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I I think that there's that underlying theme of trying to expose the wizarding community which is a bit ironic because indirectly that's what Grindelwald is trying to do but he's trying to do it at the expense of the 
nomad community, right? Hmm. They they, yeah. they do yeah. have a a shared interest, but for very different reasons. They're almost at opposite ends of the spectrum, even though they're trying to achieve the same thing. So Mary Lou and and her family, they're trying to expose the wizarding community and do away with them, right? Whereas Grindelwald is trying to expose the wizarding community, but do away with no matches, right? And and sort of exert yeah. the, um, you know, show show their dominance, show their superiority over what would be considered normal people. Yeah. So they'd get along fine yeah. if they had a drink in uh, a bar or something like that. I feel no, like they would they would have shared interests. That's that's an if interesting take. That she says that to uh, to Shaw to John Voigt's character. She says. Uh, what we desire from you is infinitely more valuable than money. It's your influence. Millions of people read your newspapers, and they need to be aware of this danger. You're right. They want to break the statute of secrecy as much as Grindelwald does. So I think that's pretty astute. Um, and it's also an interesting – these characters are also interesting because we're looking back in a very different time for the Wizarding World. So we we got so accustomed to the modern-day Wizarding World in which we're seeing that muggles do know that wizards exist. Right. Some of them still hate them. <laughs> See the Dursley family. Um, but we're looking at a different time. And, and I for diehard Harry Potter fans, I think it's a really interesting angle because we did grow accustomed to them just always being out in the open. At le- yeah, at least to people who were muggle-born. And, you know, it, it's just family members certainly knew all about it and could even visit Diagon Alley. So that is, that yeah. is very, very, very different. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Barebones family consists of, of course, Mary Lou at the top. You have Credence, uh, who's the oldest, and then I believe Chastity, who's the next oldest. Uh, it's kind of, I guess, arguable whether Credence or Chastity is older. Um, but the young girl who we suspect of being the Obscurus is Modesty Barebone, played by Faith Wood Blagrove. Um, or Blagrove. Blagrove? Blagrove. It's a hyphenated name. I trust name. you. Uh, I butchered it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, this, this, what would appear maybe on the surface to be a cohesive, if not very religiously conservative family unit is actually a dysfunctioning, I mean, in, in true JK Rowling fashion, uh, is, is much more than it appears on the surface. I mean, they go to these, there are these public demonstrations that Mary Lou has, and you actually see one at the beginning. I mean, Newt walks straight into one. He gets off the boat and is all of a sudden at a demonstration uh, outside the bank. But, I mean, Mary Lou is on a mission, and these children, not not just Credence, Chastity, Modesty, but all of the children of New York that we see getting food from uh, her hall, from the church, from you know their home, uh, are all being used to spread these leaflets and you know, I, I think at one point it said that they, they won't get food until they grab their, their leaflets. I mean, she's using this sort of army of children to spread the word, to, to further her cause. Yeah. It, it's sad. So, it, it's definitely mm-hmm. sad. And I think that it's really reflective of a passion of, of J.K. Rowling's. And she spoke about it as much prior to the screening at Carnegie Hall. When she talked about Lumos, uh, you know, which mm. is really geared towards eliminating institutional orphanages, and that's right, re- places that abuse that that basically convince the family that they don't need their kids, and then abuse them and give them horrible living conditions, mm-hmm. and 
You're right. That is there is definitely a corollary there. Yeah, it, it's definitely reflected in the character of Mary Lou Barebone and and what she has created at this church where they all live. And and as you mentioned, she's offering shelter. She's offering food for them to go out and and do her bidding. And I think that's a definite tie back to a lot of what Joe spoke about that evening and and what she has been so passionate about now for many years uh, to try to eradicate. So that definitely is one of the themes that comes through uh, in Fantastic Beasts. I was, I was it's just... also worth noting that, Mikey, you mentioned the Lumos charity and what J.K. Rowling's trying to do. This is a subject she is very passionate about. Yeah. So I find it interesting that she wanted to write it into one of her fictional stories. Right. And I guess the goal, obviously it's a good story, how she worked it into Fantastic Beasts, but I guess one of her goals was to bring more awareness to the issue? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, even the idea of um, the mistreatment causing this monster to erupt in general um, is, is, I think, pretty on the nose as far as this is not what we should be striving for in, in the world today. Mm-hmm. And at first I was going to be like, well, what's so bad about what Mary Lou is doing? She's feeding these kids. I mean, she's she's giving them, I mean, it's honest labor, right? Handing out leaflets. Um, it's nothing too well, I mean, they're horrible. Kids. Honest labor. It's child labor. <laughs> honest, but it's yeah, honest this labor. is what living wage. I mean, it's sort of Dickensian. Like, it's it's not not that way. But, I mean, then I recall that she does actually actively physically abuse Credence. So, and I mean, he might be like her ward, right? He might be actually like if she was his godmother or aunt or some kind of, you know, she knew his mom. So maybe she's his guardian. And is, uh, child abuse was much – like views and theories on child abuse was much different in 1926. You could spank kids up until like the 90s. So, you know, I mean it's it's a little bit different. But, you know, she is not – a good person, I guess. I'm not trying to say Mary Lou is a good person. No, um, N- not at all. Actually, here's no. Here. She didn't exhibit a single good thing, did she? Come to think about it. Well, do you think she <laughs> cares? I mean, do you think she terrible. cares about these kids? I mean, I think she definitely has her cause, her political agenda. But do you think she, there's like an altruistic sort? Of, I mean, not like a. But I mean, she really thinks that that wizards are a threat to Muggles. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's yeah. it's sort of misguided. It's sort of like a Laura Mallory situation. But actually, more on that. Uh, here's from J.K. Rowling. Uh, she said, this is, I thought, was interesting because it is not necessarily a spoiler, but she begins it by saying, this is backstory you don't learn in the movie, but I know it. So she says, the Barebones family is an interesting family because they descend from a wizard. Round about the time of Salem, certain vindictive wizards participated in Salem. When the wizarding world came for them, they disappeared into the muggle world. Married muggles deliberately bred magic out of their lines as far as they could. So the Barebones family, like their ancestors were actually traitors to wizards in general, and they turned their backs and, you know, started marrying muggles and basically stamping out magic. So it's natural that if there is an Obscurus, it should come from this line of of sort of self-hating wizards. Mm. But that yeah. said, as we talked about last week, there's no indication that Credence is actually a, a member of the Barebone family. He was adopted by Mary Lou. Yeah, who's running this, I don't know, pamphleting ring. <laughs> <laughs> she's just trying to spread the word, and she's doing yeah. it 
in a way that is certainly questionable, but she has her own agenda. And, and it's clear from what J.K. Rowling said here that she developed this line of thinking. Probably it's how she was raised. And, you know, Perhaps her parents taught her to think this way based on you know, sort of the, the historical context that you just provided. So if she was raised that way, it, it may be hard for her to, to break that, that line of thinking. And we saw how she treated Credence. And we know that yeah. she was a factor in the death of Credence's mother. Yeah. We don't know much about Credence's father. That could still play a role in, in future films. but That's interesting. She's horrible to yeah, him. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask a question while I'm thinking about it. Now that she's dead, is anyone going to continue her second Salem, Salemers movement? She she seemed to be the leader. Yeah, her family I'm, didn't really like it. Well, and uh, was it Chastity uh, died? She was under the rubble. Right. Like she would. Credence she would, obviously she, isn't about it. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe. I, and what will modesty do now that she's on her own? I mean. I guess it's possible modesty and credence will travel, but neither of them are going to take up that cause. But isn't um, modesty a witch? Like, we don't know. No, for sure. it's just a big red herring. I think she's just oh. a normal kid who's grown, who grew up on the chance, like the crazy hopscotch chance. But anyway, we were, we were talking. She had about, that wand, though. Why'd she have that wand? She's interested, at least. Well, she just stole credence's wand, didn't she? Because no, she had the toy wand, didn't she? Was it a toy? I thought it was real. Because I, I thought it was legit, like Credence's. Oh, yeah. Where would he have gotten a wand? Well, I'm really yeah, no, confused. I think it was a. T- yeah, I'm confused. Anyway, go that. go ahead. Oh, okay, okay. Wrapping up Mary Lou here, uh, real quickly. The the sort of uh, thesis statements, which we're talking about her belief system, might as well get it from the horse's mouth. I just transcribed real quickly when Newt is walking up to the bank. This is what she's saying, and this will be our only talk on the matter of what she actually believes. But she says, it's sort of entrancing the way she's talking. She's a good public speaker. We should have her on the show. This great city sparkles with the jewels of man's inventions. Movie theaters, automobiles, the wireless, electric lights, all dazzle and bewitch us. But where there is light, there is shadow, friend. Something is stalking our city, wreaking destruction and then disappearing without a trace. Listen to me. We have to fight. Join us, the second Salemers, in our fight. You hear me? We have to fight together for the sake of our... Hear my words and heed my warning and laugh if you dare. Witches live among us. We have to fight together for the sake of our children, for the sake of tomorrow. Which he's not wrong. There is something destroying the city, and it is magical in nature. Um, I hear that on the street yeah. of New York, honestly, every day. <laughs> yeah, so people are I, still taking up the... Was, she's crazy. Yeah, people are still <laughs> taking up the chant, Micah? The streets of New York? Not as many as, as maybe Mary Lou has. She had quite the crowd, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. But yeah. that would have been a good uh viral viral publicity if they had like a group of second Salemers out in New York last November. Oh man. Preaching that, Mary Lou's word. That would have been cool. <laughs> they should have gotten the YouTubers to do that. Right. That's what I think. Um, So J.K. Rowling says, Mary Lou is a very important character because she's on to the wizards. On the surface, quite a kind woman. She's feeding poor children in the street. But in fact, she's incredibly abusive. So, um, you know what? Here's a question for you guys. What do you think about what Ezra Miller says here? Just sort of wrapping up our discussion. Ezra Miller says... 
there uh, about the second Salemers and the bare bones family. He says there's sort of a eugenics community that is trying to stamp out irregularity in the human race. When I read the script, it felt like a culmination of so many of the ideas that had been maybe subtly present in the works that precede this. So Ezra is pointing to certain, I guess, similarities and, and mentalities of characters in, I guess, the Harry Potter books and sees the second Salemers as sort of a natural progression of J.K. Rowling as a storyteller going into, you know, sort of like the mindset of be yourself um, and mm-hmm. go with that. You guys see like a, a through line there, like he says? Yeah, yeah. And I think it kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier, that that it is giving us a different perspective that we haven't had on had before. So she's telling us the same thing. There's that thread, but uh in a in a different way. Yeah. Um you know funny quote from uh the chastity actress who who's named Jen Murray. Uh it is revealed in the second Salemers Blu-ray feature that at one point she was having a little bit of trouble getting into the role uh you know where they're all obsessed with the pamphlets and stuff. And uh, David Yates gave her a direction that she will never forget. He said, what if you think that this is the greatest thing ever? So that was the direction she took. So her character, Chastity, is really into this whole anti-witch thing. She thinks it's the greatest thing ever. Mm. I don't know. You know, they we weren't that major much characters. Of her, though, to be honest with it. you. And I don't even think yeah. she no. said anything. Probably not. And- and I feel like we were kind of promised a little more from her. Because weren't they marketing her as like a mysterious character? Maybe. But the only person he she was mysterious to was Grindelwald, kind of, because he thought it, it may have been one of the girls who was yeah. Obscurus. Yeah. Yeah, but, I, well, I wonder. And it was just kind of weird how she's just shown dead um, as like, <laughs> coll- well, like collateral damage, you know, like... Credence didn't mean to, obviously, but she's, yeah. you know, they, they, they showed that she It is she kind died. of a blink if you miss, and you'll miss it moment. It's not, yeah. it, it's not very, like, the camera doesn't hold on her for very long. So I didn't mm-hmm. even, the first time that I saw the film, I, I didn't even notice that, that she had been killed. Yeah. I, well, yeah, actually, I don't think a lot of people realize that until we saw it explicitly laid out in the script book. Because I remember writing about that. Yeah, that, that it, that it, it specifically w- said that. Yeah, especially from our angle when Mike and I were watching it from a high up in a theater. <laughs> it was was a there a wire obstructing your view? Because there was a wire obstructing no. my view. Mm-mm. No, like we just gave wire. you the bad ticket on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we did hear so, from a couple people uh, on Twitter as yeah. well. Uh, oh, love it. Sent in their, their thoughts or, or questions on Mary Lou and her family. Uh, Clockwork Boy said she's seen magic before from Credence and his mom. She probably killed his mom. I think that's pretty much been confirmed at this point that oh, yeah. that she was responsible, at least in part, uh, for his mother's death. Uh, she beats Credence because she knew the truth about him. That'd be interesting. Do you do you think that there is she knew more than just him? having an interest potentially in in magic Mm. that he was in fact magic himself magical 
it's it's very much a petunia harry situation right where because she because harry descends from somebody that she loathed or was jealous of she treats him extra un, like unfairly right so like if i think there's a quote from mary lou in the film your mother was a nasty woman or horrible woman who got it wouldn't be nasty woman that's too on the nose uh with modern times but horrible woman who got what she deserved um something 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 paraphrasing paraphrasing misquoting but uh if she really did know that credence's mom was a witch whether or not she believes credence to like whether she knows it runs in blood Maybe she probably does. Um, she still is treating him extra unfairly because of who his mom was. So it almost amounts to like the same thing, right? That she's she's singling him out, and it, it makes it worse. Like it's it's actually it's it's kind of funny and poetic how Mary Lou, in abusing Credence and creating this environment that's hostile to witches and wizards, is sort of uh, causing her own destruction. Um, and I think I raised this last week, didn't I? Like, this is part of the reason that she doesn't like him, because she knows that he's a, a wizard, or at least that his mom was. So yeah. she wants to, she, it, it is a Dursley situation. There's just a lot of disdain for that family. It's like guilty by association kind of thing. Yeah. It's interesting, right. though, that if she knew that, why would she take him under her care? To maybe cleanse him of the magical abilities, maybe? Yeah, maybe, maybe she attempted to at some point? Maybe he's a project for her. Could be. Yeah. That, a lot yeah. of the uh, the questions, I think, that Holly C. on Twitter had were just answered. Uh, she, she asked, does she have a relationship to the wizarding community that's similar to Petunia and Eric? Oh, God, there it is. You, I didn't even just, see that. Uh, Touched on that, and then Andrew, uh, the last question she had, is she secretly trying to identify witches and wizards to do uh, covert conversion therapy? Yeah. So. I Would that surprise either of you? No. She's no, I don't a think, I mean, woman, that so. might have been what she was trying to do with Credence. I mean, she's just like, yeah. hey, you have to suppress this, and... She's just so hard on him. I'm just remembering that scene where he comes home and says, I mean, he's obviously been hanging out with uh, Grindelwald on the back of a motorcycle. But um, he says that he was scouting out locations and she's just like, take off your belt, bitch. I'm going to hit you. Um, Yeah. It's just kind of very over the top obscure. uh, Like, we don't really know the reason for it, but she is absolutely like giving him the brunt of a lot of the abuse or if she, if she feels the need to beat her children uh she takes it out especially on him during the film mm-hmm. and again reflective yeah. i think of a lot of the situations that um are happening in these orphanages that jk rowling mentioned um when we were at this event in uh, carnegie hall so yeah yeah and to wrap this up and why we've kind of had a different discussion on these characters is because with the exception being Credence, we're probably not going to see these, their storyline is kind of dead. At least the second Salomer story seems to be dead. Because yeah, like I said earlier, without Mary Lou, who's going to carry the torch? There could be another group in America, but we don't even know if we're going to go back to America. Yeah. It's if, been a one movie thing. Yeah. If we're not going back to America, there's no reason to believe that um, we should need to see kind of what this front looks like with under new management. Um, yeah. 
I, I, I think it's possible. We have to like consider the possibility we'll see modesty again. Um, Credence obviously cares a lot about her. They do yeah. have a relationship in this film, so maybe he takes her with him on the boat or, you know, goes goes away somehow. And, you know, I'd like to see the two of them together bonding, maybe um, surviving together, that sort of thing. But as far as Second Sailormers, I think it, it makes sense to me that it's tied just to the plot of this film. J.K. Rowling gets her point across. If you try and suppress who you are in my world, there's disastrous consequences. So don't do that. Um, boom, end of film, right? There's no more – there's no need to sort of revisit it. And I think over time, we understand already that by the, by Harry Potter's time, it's a much more open society um, and it already was for Britain in the 20s as Newt says – to Tina. So we just assume without needing to be shown it that over time groups like the Second Salemers went away and the policy of secrecy was sort of became lax somehow. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. I think that does it for the, the bare bones. All we have left to talk about is Newt. We are bare to the bone Love of it. characters to discuss except for Newt. Mm. So we'll do that next week, and then soon, maybe right after. Who knows? We'll do our. our we're going to be doing an episode that is our Fantastic Beasts movie commentary. I love so you that. Can s- sync that up with your movie, and watch along with us. That's a fan favorite. Listeners have been asking for that for years. More commentary tracks. More commentary episodes. That'll be a good cap on the character discussions because we could kind of dive back into various elements about the characters as we see them. I mean, I there's agree. only so so many commentaries that we can do. Yeah, at eight or nine. Mm-hmm. We already did one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we can start doing commentaries about uh, the mysterious ticking noise, <laughs> some Wizard Rock live performances. We can start live commentating our old episodes. There you go. Speaking of old episodes... <laughs> oh yeah nice transition both of you i I give all the credit to andrew who yeah. unknowingly just uh transitioned so well he said it and then you called it out so both of you a plus thank you <laughs> so we thought it would be a, a cool idea given the fact that we've been around now for what almost 12 years it's been 12 years mm-hmm. yeah 12 <laughs> years and two months that's right it's a long time <laughs> we we take a little bit of a look back on some of our episodes and uh, do a this week in MuggleCast history. Now, we have almost now 12 years worth of, of material to look back on, and I don't think every episode is, is going to make the cut uh, each week, and we may not even do this every week, but we thought it'd be fun to see what episodes took place as we as we take a look back here and going all the way back to June 11th of of 2006. So wow. 11 years ago, almost to the day, uh, was episode 43 of MuggleCast. And uh, it was actually titled Andrew Less. So it may actually have been the first episode we've ever done on the show without Andrew. Oh, gosh. Sounds like a really bad episode to me. Yeah, uh, I don't even know why we're bringing this up. <laughs> all right, well... Eric, uh... <laughs> actually, we talk about the Fidelius charm. Oh, I remember. This was a great episode. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, it's the best thing in the world. I did not write these bullet points, but the first one is, we finally got rid of Andrew. That would suggest that was my first time leaving, yeah. not being on. Yeah. What else did we do in this week in history? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> what's the next all episode? the way back in 2007, 
uh, episode 94, which was entitled Beautiful Name, Beautiful Girl. Can't <laughs> remember what that was about. <laughs> Who remembers? But the first bullet is that Jamie, Jamie was led into a massive trap and made a fool out of himself. Somebody will have to listen and, and let us know exactly what happened here. But <laughs> we did give our thoughts, our final thoughts, apparently, on the, the Harry Potter theme park. So... What does that mean? Final thoughts? <laughs> Were we never going to talk about it again? Maybe I'm pretty sure we prior... did. When did it open? It didn't open until a few. 2010. Years. Yeah. So our final thoughts on the announcement. That's that probably, probably what it yeah, was. probably because we were done talking about it three years before it was open. <laughs> and I think back at the time, we really had no idea just how popular it would be. No. I think we kind of underestimated it. When you think about the grand opening, it was it was quite something. Be fun to listen. Uh, we also posed the question about the dragon that appeared on the deluxe edition cover of Deathly Hallows. Uh, <sighs> yeah, we had the Antipode and Opali, which I believe just several episodes later sparked a massive uh, discussion and theory. I think it was episode ninety-seven, possibly. Uh, oh. It was me, you, and Laura, Eric, that did that episode, and I thought it was one of our best episodes that we've ever done, uh, theorizing on on what exactly was taking place on that cover and we got it a hundred percent wrong uh but that's yeah. okay no as honestly and that's that's that just goes to show we didn't know i mean book seven came out at episode 100 so episode 97 was fair game and and i, I would agree that um as far as theories that didn't pan out go this was probably my favorite that we ever talked about so. Absolutely. Yeah, that dragon was exciting because we didn't know what was happening in the book, and we got this extra cover. They weren't always doing deluxe editions prior to Deathly exactly. Hollow, so we got this extra cover to speculate over. And Fantastic Beasts had this Antipode and Opal Eye as a dragon thing. We look at the cover, there's a dragon with an opal for an eye. Turns out he's just a blind dragon kept beneath Gringotts. Oops, we didn't know. So... Well I, I love played, it, though. I JK have to re-listen to that. Yeah, well played, JKR. <laughs> so uh, then going to episode 149, which we did back on June 15th of 2008, Whew. we talked about uh, a Potter prequel that J.K. Rowling wrote on Sirius and James, I believe it was. And wow. This is interesting because this prequel was actually just stolen several weeks ago. Yeah. By Andrew, and uh, <laughs> it has yet to be recovered, right? From what from what I from know, my house, from your house, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. It is kind of funny that uh, nine years later it, it went missing, but yeah, it was about the Marauders, and people loved it because we all wanted the Marauders, like we were saying a few weeks ago. So yeah, yeah. Hopefully, it's found. Yep, and uh, just two more episodes to talk about. Uh, episode one seventy five. Uh, which is entitled Fireside Chats, and this was uh, June 16th of 2009, and I think that's a segment that we introduced that I led, right? Yeah, didn't you do, you did Micah's Fireside Chats? I think I so, that. yeah, and I, and I think I just, did I just read from the books, or did I read, what did I read? No, I thought it was political, actually. I seem to recall that it was just something, I don't know, it was, seemed contemporary. Like I didn't. I want you to continue reading sexy fire, uh, fire stories by the fire. Yeah, that sex, was my from Barebone Never Sever Us. Yeah, and from Andrew's Cursed Child fan fiction, <laughs> yeah. Never Sever Us. Yeah, do it, do it. 
I'm just reading through the uh, the rest of yeah, the, the show notes points. here. Yeah, these. Uh, does anyone care about the runtime with a two part series finale? <laughs> As Katraz is less than one month away. Oh my god. This was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And so we wrap up uh, this week in MuggleCast history looking back on episode 200, uh, Admit Defeat, which is a famous line delivered by the producer of the Harry Potter films, David Heyman, who appeared to on you. episode 200. Yeah, he says me, it to you. He says it to yeah. me. Uh, a very uh, interesting edition of the Dueling Club between myself and, and David Heyman. And uh, it's a great episode uh, for those who are new listeners to the show. I definitely recommend uh, going back and, and and listening to this episode. Uh, he was very gracious with his time. I think he ended up staying probably close to, what, 45 minutes to an hour when he really only needed to give about 20 or 30 minutes. And Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, somebody who's obviously very, very passionate about the series – uh, continuing to work on it, Fantastic Beasts. So uh, I encourage uh, those who are new, go on, give it a listen. Episode 200, all these episodes that we mentioned you can find on MuggleCast.com, and uh, there's actually a, a podcast player right on the page, so you can just pop in your earphones and, and listen to them uh, right on the website. Mike, I'm going to give you a critique of this new segment live on air. I think it was too long. We need to read one show note per episode and just move well, on. Well, this is the first time that we're doing this, so, you know, we... Yeah, we there's, 11, there's 11 years to get through. Thank God he didn't give us 11 episodes. That, uh, yeah, there you go. That's that's true. Yeah. You cut it yeah, in half. Well, yeah, thank, yeah, the listeners are saying, thank God, because everybody was very bored. Mm-hmm. No. no I, thought I, it was... I, I think it's good if we, like, look at one thing per episode. Like, oh, gosh, <laughs> well, we were discussing that dragon. Just cut everything out and leave David Heyman. <laughs> <laughs> It was a highlight. I think Micah just really wanted to bring up David Heyman. He really loves that interview. Yeah, it was good. It was yeah. good. But it's just Heyman sassed him. And I don't think that's something you ever you ever get over. I, I would also just mention that there, in addition to the episodes that we mentioned, there is a wall of fame uh, on MuggleCast.com. So if people are interested in on, on the episodes that we consider to be some of the best that we've done, uh, I would definitely... Uh, say to go on to the site and, and, and give them a listen. Let's move on to a couple of voicemails. This one we wanted to play last week. We get, didn't get a chance. Hey, this is Andrew Cohen from Denver, Colorado. Uh, my question is uh, about the new television series that I had seen pop up on my social uh-huh. media uh, about the uh, origin stories of Voldemort. Uh, now, on the most recent show, I had heard you guys talk about uh, the passing of the uh, the the villain character from Voldemort to Grindelwald. Uh, and I was curious to hear you guys' opinions and thoughts on this new television series. Uh, personally, I almost hyperventilated when I saw the teaser trailer, uh, and I was hoping you guys might open up a discussion and uh, hear you guys' thoughts on the matter. Thanks, and keep up the good work. Goodbye. So Andrew is referring to this new... He, he called it a TV series. It's actually a fan-made movie. It's unofficial. It's called Voldemort, and there's a really good trailer out, and it it goes into his backstory. The trailer has received 5.5 million views on YouTube, so it's gone viral. And I think why it's fooling people, why people are thinking it's official, is because the special effects are so good. 
It looks really professional. They even have a house elf. Yeah. Oh wow. Really? Yeah. And and the thing looks like it's straight out of the Harry Potter movies. And and then they cut to the the Daily Prophet, and it looks like a real Daily Prophet, and just everything looks so good about it. But this is a hundred percent fan made. It was approved by Warner Brothers. They actually were working on it, and then Warner Brothers shut them down. But now that it is not for profit, J.K. Rowling is cool with it and her people. It's called Voldemort Origin of the Air. Origins of the Air. I'm really actually excited that and surprised, I guess befuddled a little bit, that they let them get away with this because it would seem to uh, suggest that the Fantastic Beasts series is going to go a different way. Um, Young Voldemort. Oh, that's interesting. Right? Because we speculated that uh, recently that young Voldemort could very well show up. I fully expect him to uh, by the end of the fifth Fantastic Beast film because he'll be an older teenager. But um, if this film exists and is, is sort of out there in the ether on the webs, the way that fans you know can access it easily, it would seem mm-hmm. to contradict very clearly what uh, they might be intending to do with the character in the official movies. We don't have a release date yet for this movie, but definitely check out the trailer on YouTube. We'll put a link in the show notes. Is there more than one? Put a link in the show notes. More than one trailer. I don't know. It might just be the one. I I saw one about a week ago, and oh yeah, that's probably the same one. I I just don't remember seeing an elf. Maybe I missed it. It's just really fooling everybody. Even my brother texted me this afternoon. He was like, "How have I not heard about this yet?" And then, like, I didn't reply because I didn't feel like being like Ryan. It's it's fan made, blah blah blah. But he figured it out himself. Apparently, the upset. story will explore how Tom Riddle lost his nose. I'm reading off. The, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. It says, uh, "What it's made Tom Riddle become Voldemort?" Oh no! Origins of the Air depicts the story of Tom Riddle's rise to power and the subsequent loss of his nose. Um, this is the story we want to tell, the rise of the Dark Lord before Harry Potter and his first demise. So, yeah, the loss of the nose will be part of that. And we should try to get the filmmakers on this podcast. I'm, yeah, we want sure to be sounds and looks awesome. Yeah, and we'd love to hear more. <laughs> How much did this cost you? Because these special <laughs> effects are really good. Well, the crowdfunding campaign, um, let me see if I can still get the results of that. Oh, yeah, um, they did... Let's um let's play two more voicemails. Yep. Hey guys, I'm a longtime listener. I was actually at the show you guys did in London on the night of the release of Deathly Hollows, the book, which is pretty awesome. Been a big fan ever since then. And my question is in regards to Grindelwald and his kind of stance with the wizards and how he believes that wizards should not be in hiding. Um, and I actually agree with him. I'm curious, why is it that he is perceived as a villain when he's really just, he has an attitude that wizards are superior to humans, to nomads and to muggles, and there's no reason for them to be in hiding and to suppress and hide their um, community. And I agree, why, you know, they are superior to regular human beings, so why do they have to hide themselves? Um, so I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that and why it is that Grindelwald is a villain when really he's trying to uh, basically promote the rights of wizards, kind of like the civil rights movement, but for wizards. So curious to hear your guys' thoughts. Thank you guys so much for everything you do. Well, we got a regular Grindelwald follower uh, over here. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't know if you should. We're we're gonna call the ministry on you. We have your number, dude. Um, <laughs> like, the, if we didn't report the girl who literally gave us a death threat, I don't think we're gonna report this guy. He has nothing to fear. I so think, his his yeah. Grindelwald's thoughts are good. the The problem is the way he's going about it. Yeah, I mean, he wants wizards to stop hiding, but at the expense of like he wants to literally subjugate muggles, like. He would round them all up and persecute them or kill them to guarantee that wizards are on top always. And that's that's not cool, right? The most compelling villains have these points of view that you can see right into and you're like, oh, I get it. Like I see a little bit of where they're coming from. But the execution of it is always wrong. Like it is always off in some way and that's what makes them villains. Right. So you can support Grindelwald to a point. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're supposed to agree with some of what Graves is saying at the yeah. end when he's fighting with Pickery because that's what makes it sort of a compelling argument. But I, I think ultimately, if if Muggles on mass knew about wizards, it would be much of like uh, an X Men situation. Wizards would be hunted and or um, feared, and it would be a, a very negative situation, which does not really, I mean, which could cause World War Three. So. Yeah. And I'll admit, I was on kind of on Grindelwald's side when he was talking at the end. Yeah. Like, oh, what's so wrong with that? But then you got to remember all the way he's going about it. And, yeah. and there will definitely grrr. be more of that. It's safe to say more of yeah. that will be explored in the future of Fantastic Beasts films. There's clearly something about it that appealed to Dumbledore as well. So yeah, yeah. There's 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 a value in what he is trying to promote. However, as you've both said the way that he's going about trying to achieve it is at the expense of other people. And I think that is the issue. We also don't really have a clear picture of what it is that he's doing day in and day out. We we just, at this point we know that he is you know, sort of this causing havoc criminal on the run. Yeah. Causing all this havoc, but you know, I'm sure he's taken some, pretty suspect steps to get to where he is at this point so yeah we shall see let us listen to one more voicemail hey it's Bree here from indianapolis i was thinking about how the overmorning houses can show certain aptitudes for certain career paths for example horned serpents favor scholars wampus warriors and pugwedgie healers do you think that there's that same sort of correlation with the Hogwarts houses? Uh, do healers save a certain house? Are Hufflepuffs more likely to be bankers? Um, is there any indication of what your career could be based on the house you're in? I uh, just wanted to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Hufflepuffs are more likely to be magizoologists. Yeah. As Newt would tell you. That's canon. That checks out. Well, that's, an, that's an interesting, maybe not as specific as... Being a banker, but maybe like something a little wider, like finance or the economy. Like maybe there are some general trends there in terms of career paths. Right. Like if you're um, a Ravenclaw, you're more likely to be a numbers person. Um, yeah. Or something maybe like passionate that. about numbers. So, or yeah, just in terms of like a internal pursuit as well, like a pursuit pursuit of the mind. Um, 
you know, reflected in a career path. I, I can certainly see those similarities. It's not so much of an overgeneralization as J.K. Rowling gets into a species. You know, all goblins are bankers or or metalsmiths, you know, or anything like that. Like, I think there's a lot more variety with witches and wizards that's shown. Um, yeah. But I, I agree there's – yeah, I just like in real life, like certain temperaments – lend themselves better to different professions. So if you're sorting people, if you're magically sorting people by their the kind of person that they are or what their interests are, you're definitely going to see a correlation. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. All right. That does it for this week's episode of MuggleCast. Please send in any feedback you might have, MuggleCast at gmail.com, or call in 1-920-3-MUGGLE, P.O. Box is 4044 North Lincoln Avenue, Number 144, Chicago, Illinois, 60618. By the way, for our Slug Club patrons, all these stickers are out in the mail as Yay. of yesterday. Micah and Eric, honorary Slug Club members, you have stickers <laughs> coming to you as well. Yes. Sweet. So, bottom places. I'm going to be, uh, I have one on my laptop. Oh, Tattooed cool. my laptop. That's where mine's going too. And we've talked about like young Voldemort a lot recently uh, on this episode. Well, young Voldemort himself, Christian Coulson, is going to be with us in Orlando, Florida, on September first of this year for MuggleNet Live 2017. Nineteen years later. Find out more information on our MuggleCast website, including how you can get a $10 off code, which is MuggleCast, uh, just by going and using our referral link. So go check that out. MuggleCast.com. Again, it's in Orlando, Florida on September 1st. Also, other actors, Luke Youngblood, who played Lee Jordan, Chris Rankin will be there. Fan favorite Chris Rankin. Love that guy. And others. So go check it out. You know what, guys? I just had a realization. Hmm. Sebastian, if you rearrange the letters in his name, you get Tom Marvolo Riddle. So that solves that. Yeah, he's coming earlier than we expected. He'll be like three years old in Fantastic Beasts. <laughs> he's also Aberforth's goat. First goat. Yeah. But I like that theory the most, I think. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week with episode 325. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Micah. Peace. Bye. Bye.